touch, pause, engage. G'day and welcome to Green Gold Rugby Pod Slam 89. It's Matt Rowley here. We're sponsored, as always, by strike.com.au, Australia's uh, biggest supplier of Bluetooth car kits. We've got a great show for you tonight, um, joined by Mr. Timms and Scott Allen. But on the phone right now, I have uh, Laurie Fisher, uh, all the way from Canberra. G'day, g'day mate. How are you? Uh, good, thanks, gentlemen. How are you? Doing very well. Yes. But uh, you must be smiling, mate, after notching up the first win of the season in pretty emphatic style. Yeah, look, it's, uh, it was a great way for us to start, like against uh, very tough opposition and, and certainly the pace setter in Australian rugby for the last few years. So certainly pretty happy to get a result and, and particularly in front of our own fans where we, we uh, need to get a bit of a kick along there. So it was a great start for us. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a ding-dong battle, wasn't it? I mean... Uh... I guess did you, you guys kind of knew going it, into it that you, it'd be a bit of a slug. Well, it, it was. I mean, uh, I think the statistics would show that the Reds were probably the hardest side uh, in the tackle contest last year out of out of all Super Rugby teams. So you, you've got to match them for, for numbers and for intensity. And uh, when that happens, then every tackle becomes a contest for possession, and and uh, it, it's a tough day out for both teams. That's why it turned out. Yeah. I mean, I think, Scott, you had some interesting stats on that, didn't you? Yeah, well, if you look at the Reds in 2011, when they were obviously on fire, you know, 26% of their ruck ball was quick, and they play so well when they have that. But last year, obviously, Laurie, you guys you know, kept that down. You really controlled them at the breakdown. And whilst I thought you know, both teams almost cancelled each other out of the breakdown, you guys were very successful in slowing the Reds down to about 18% of the rucks were quick ball, which... Limits what they can do, doesn't it? That's right. I think we did a good job in shutting them down first phase. I think they got 30% gain line first phase. I thought our, our set piece pressure uh, in the few scrums they had got good pressure. I thought our line out defence was exceptional in terms of uh, you know, just getting bodies on and hands up and forcing slap ball. And I think they, uh, you know, they had a lot of pressure on their line out. They suddenly get gain line which means your first break and suffers and, and it's hard to play a game from there. Yeah, I was I was going to talk to you about that. Of all the Reds' line-outs, I mean, I considered that 50% of those you contested really hard. So it was a real competition. You were getting two pods up. And as a result, the Reds only got, on my numbers anyway, 43% clean ball, which makes it extremely hard to play an attacking game. Uh, and that's correct. And, you know, the, the line-out... It's been a real, it is a real strength for them, and, and probably will be in the future. But I thought we competed very well. Uh, and you know, Benny Mullen had done a lot of work on, on, uh, on what he thought they play and and, and their uh, formations. And you now we've, we've got some good spin in our line out. Peter Kimmel chases hard forward, and and Ben Cullen's good space at the back. So well, I think we did a good job there. That was, you know, very influential in, in the final result. So what, just what just, I really liked about that. Sorry. Was that that you're actually getting guys into the air? So the line out that they had um, down on their line, where they actually didn't get a jumper up in the end, and you got 
both lit jumpers up. So you had two three-man pods and really put pressure yeah. on them. Yeah, well, I mean, we're certainly committed to that, that, that if, if, if you don't get anybody up, it's an easy night for the thrower. And uh, in the end, if he's got to throw over somebody, or if, uh, if, if the jumper knows that, it, you know, that we're... We're coming, we're coming for him, and it just adds that little bit of pressure, so everything just tightens up that little bit. So, you know, again, you know, we, we chose to stay down on a couple of occasions, uh, you know, trying to, you know, we were, we were concerned about their ability to drive, uh, or their ability to, to, you know, to play, you know, play with a two, a two to nine or something off the back of that. So we just tried to mix it up a little bit, and as I said, we got good results and, uh, and good pay. So, so, Laurie, just taking you back to the, the breakdown for a second there, um, and we were talking about how you guys managed to, to, to slow it down a fair bit. As, um, and it's not, not as if, the, as you said to start with, it's not like the Reds are uh, shabby in that department themselves, and, you know, they've got the likes of, you know, Liam Gill there, who is a talented young guy. Um, you know, you obviously managed to edge it in the end. What, what do you think it was? Do you think it was the way you guys read the ref, did you think you approached it slightly different to them? Uh, you know, what, what do you, what, did, was it just more numbers? What do you guys, what do you, what did you put it down to after the match? Yeah, well, I, I, I certainly, I mean, we, we made a decision to put more numbers in the contest than we normally would. Uh, we've, we've taken a slightly different approach to how we contest this year and try to give some support to, to the pace that gets on the ball. Um, you know, try to, to be a little bit more robust on the edges. You know, we're looking for, you know, looking for little windows of opportunity that might exist, uh, under a player's crest, under a player's shoulders. So I think, I think we're, in the past, we've been happy to, to get numbers around the corner and present a good defensive line. Mm-hmm. But we're really trying to get new guys to look in and see if there's an opportunity. And, and so, again, if we get a good set for pressure, and get good line speed and, and stop the slow first breakdown. Then you let them out then to have a, have a fair crack at opposition ball. It's on the back foot and it's very difficult. So it sort of all goes hand in hand. But we did we, we did commit to putting uh, more numbers in, but but hopefully making good decisions. And and because what is it? That, I mean, obviously, I guess everyone then now sits back and. I know we we get you know Bob Dwyer you know often's commenting on the site and he's a real proponent for you know making everything a contest. Um, what is it that you give up though in doing that? I mean, and and you know, did you have to alter other parts of your game because of that, or is it just a bit of a you know you have a shot at it and you hope it works, and if it's not working, you change it? But I mean, what's the downside of the approach you took there? Uh, well, the downside is if you make poor decisions or if, if, you, if you don't at least slow the ball down, then you're, you're potentially short somewhere, not necessarily around the ruck. Well, you, you, know, you might be vulnerable around the ruck, and which could you know, be exposed by a, by a clever halfback with some runners, or, or you might be leaving some more space on the edge. So you know, the, the, it can create opportunities, but, but generally if, if a side knows you're going to go hard at them, and they know that they've got to commit more numbers. So it evens out in the long run. If it's like you know, on our side of the fence that we know that that, that not only Gill and Quirk and Chats, but you got you know you got Harris, you got Tapwai, you got all the Reds players that are going to present a, a single or double contest over your ball. So you know you've got to send you know, ball carrier plus three in. I mean that's 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 your standard against them. So you do it, and you adjust other parts of your game around that. And, uh, so that's it's. It doesn't preclude you from doing things. You just need to. It's no good planning to win a to win a, a breakdown with ball carrier class two when it's unrealistic to meet your three 
And and then and what does that mean to apply off that? Because do you think that uh, did that then limit you guys, especially when you're attack, when you're defending your own ball? Did that maybe limit the attack a little bit? Uh, look, it, 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 it probably does limit you slightly, but but uh, as I say, if you're prepared to send two or three, you know, I think there's still opportunities. We really had opportunities. Um, you know, we had a couple of good opportunities uh, then in the A zone. There was sort of one. In the middle of the second half, we sort of played half of the time ran like that. We got fast forward and came back and we really had a, a really good two on one on the edge, but Christian just flattened up a little bit, couldn't get the ball through his hands and, and you know, we coughed up a try there. So and there are things that we'll learn out of that game. Just you know, we just took good lines, split us, we probably we had a couple of soft trials and I think we've been you know, really tested robustly enough so that we, we just struggled with line speed, but we'll adjust to that. And Laurie, just on the ruck, um, we've seen the game management guidelines that the referees are working towards, and I, I guess you've obviously seen those as well, but no doubt you spoke to referees before the season started. Did you think that the rucks over the whole weekend, I guess, were refereed in the way you expected in accordance with those game management guidelines? Uh, look, I thought by and large they were. Uh, there'd, you know, there'd be a couple in our game that uh, that we got penalised for that I'd question, and I'm sure there'd be a couple that Ewan would question. Uh, not that I can recall those, but um, but look, it's a tough part of the game. You know, there's there's 170, you know, in our game, 170 odd, 180 rucks for this contest. But I, I, I thought that. In terms of what they said they'd do, in terms of tackle, uh, tackle assist release, in terms of tackle rolling away out of the presentation area, uh, I, I thought he was very consistent in that area. Um, and, and, yeah, look, we'll, we knew where we stood. So, in terms of, I mean, I, I thought also that if you read the game management guidelines, it was pretty close. Do you, do you see a need for adjustment this week? Obviously, your first game in Super Rugby. There's still some unknowns. Much adjustment re- required this week with your guys, do you think? Uh, no, look, I, I, I don't think we'll need to adjust too much. That, that, uh, I mean, we got penalised for the things you're supposed to get penalised for. Christian got pinned for not rolling away uh, for the first penalty. Uh, Pally got penalised as a tackle assist, not releasing. Um, so I, I look at all the times we've got penalised and I can say, well, I, I can understand according to the game management laws why we got penalised, I'm not scratching my head. There's a couple of times I thought, I thought, um, I thought, uh, Perry had a clear shot at the ball and he penalised not wise for not rolling away when we were clearly first in the contest. Uh, but again, those sort of little things will happen. But I, look, I, I don't think we need to make a big adjustment. We were pretty clear on, on what was required and, and, uh, and, and I thought we adhered to it pretty well. You're always going to give away a few penalties. That's the nature of contest. But I think if the referees keep enforcing those sorts of interpretations, teams will probably get more used to it, and the game should open up a bit more. Do you think? Yeah, look, I, I, you know, if they're consistent, I'm sure they will be. Like they, they certainly, the, the two games were, were reasonably consistent between uh, between Angus and Andrew in, in their in their interpretation. You know, what impact will it have on the game? Maybe there'll be a little bit more counter rucking, but yeah. You know, Given that you mightn't have the same rights to the ball, you might be prepared to just put some bodies through, um, see what effect that has. So, yeah, there'll be some interesting things that happen over the first, uh, you know, over the next few weeks. I mean, 
a lot of the Kiwi sides are looking, you know, for the hold up, you know, the the choke tackle and and see where that gets them. So there'll be some interesting uh, developments, I think, in the first month or so. So, Laurie, one of the things, and I think you might have touched on it earlier, was uh, that you were quite pleased with. And, and from my eye, it, it looked like you guys did well, and it was uh, in, in the scrum in the set piece. Um, I thought you guys actually got pinged once, uh, which I, I saw a bit of a wry smile on, on the front row as they came up. But um, from my eye, it looked like you got a little bit of dominance there and you were definitely rock solid on your own ball. Were you happy with that? Yeah, look, I thought we scrummed this particularly well, particularly when we had our, our uh, number one scrum on. We, we probably we may have got a little bit passive uh, when we changed front rows, but I thought when we had had uh, Dan Palmer at, at uh, tight head and, and Ben at loose head, I thought we, you know, we, we were very good on our ball when you had pressure on their ball twice. You know, once we... We got them going backwards, and and yeah, you know, they. I think it's the one Lucas kicked the ball uh, dead in goal, so we just got a little bit of pressure on his delivery, and, and the other one, you know, we got penalised, and, and you know where we're walking around or where we're driving around, you know, that again, that's a matter of interpretation, but I thought we had good pressure on them uh, both times. Mm. Just you, on the scrum. Yeah. Sorry, Matt, you go. On. No, no, I was going to hand over to you, Matt. Okay, so just on that scrum, Laurie, I mean, the three scrums reset in the whole match, one of which, so really only two scrums, one had to be reset twice. Um, yep. What's your view, I've got two questions, what's your view on the impact of the three-stage call rather than the four? And secondly, um, your view on the new interpretation where you'll only get one short arm for going early and then every time you go early in the rest of the match, it's a full arm penalty? Yeah, I, I certainly... The, the, the catch touch set I like. Uh, it's it's you know, as soon as they're balanced, you know, the referee can call them in. So I do like the short the sequence uh and, and just that short set call. Uh I I, I do think uh I, I do think it'll result in 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 less issues this year and you know, whether you want to be giving you know, I mean what they'll do is they'll create discipline. I mean I'd hate to think we'd give away three, six, nine points for going early, but if we did, then that's our fault. So it'll ensure discipline from both scrums. So I do think they've got to take a a, a tough stance. I mean, it's it, it, the only way to sort it out is is you know, it's, it's like you know uh, infringements in your own design. Like if the yellow cards don't come out, then there's unlikely to be as the, the level of compliance that you'd like. So. Whilst I wouldn't want to be giving away three, six, nine points, if, if, if I know that that's what the law and the interpretation is going to be, it's up to you to be disciplined in your own scrum. And, and if you're disciplined and everybody does that, then scrums will continue to be a valuable part of the game rather than time wasted than they've been in the last few years. And did, and yeah, did, you have a, did you have a second point to that one, Scott? Was there a second part? No, no, I think that, that Laurie answered both in, in one answer. Oh, okay. so, right, so, just, so just so everybody's clear, you get now, the first time you go early, it's a short arm, and the second time you go early and any subsequent time, no matter when it is in the game, where it is, it's a penalty. So you only get one crack now at going early, and as Laurie says, you know, that, that really instills, you know, it's a different way to look at the scrum. You've got to be very disciplined to make sure you're early. And the other thing I'd noticed some comment um from various people is that they're saying, you know, it's taking too long for the set. But having talked to referees, Laurie, what they're telling me, and I'm sure they've told you in more detail than me, that they're saying crouch touch will be, you know, pretty much 
a sort of a cadence, but after that, they will not call set until the scrums are perfectly stable, no matter how long it takes. And, and I agree with that. I mean, again, you, you need to be balanced. You need to be supporting your own body weight, all those things. So, so again, that's what they say they do. That's what they've done in the first week of Super Rugby. If that's what they continue to do, then it, it's up to teams to, to offer compliance for that. So you don't need to be on your toes. You don't need to be, uh, you don't need locks holding front rowers back. Support your own body weight, get balanced, and back yourself to, uh, to be able to scrummage properly. And, and again, I, I think, I think sides will, will adapt to that very, very quickly. I like yeah. it. I mean, it's a good point to raise, actually, Scott, because I must admit, I, as I hadn't picked that up uh, to, to that level of detail. Um, but one thing I've got to ask, Laurie, I know you've been working on some different skills uh, on the off-season here. What sort of a uh, grubber-kicking program have you been holding for your locks? Um, because... Uh, you, yeah. <laughs> and I he think must Fart- have missed that yeah. session, did he? I, I think Fardy had a go as well, didn't he? I thought it was kind of... Kind of oh, bad. yeah, well... Yeah, look... look. Now that, what we've done this year is given them a little bit of a license to uh, express themselves, yeah. but, uh, but but they have to accept the consequences of their actions. So, uh, <laughs> I know, you know, know Kimo, he, he, he had a little left footer on, on Saturday that was unsuccessful. He had one in the trial the week before, so I think he got he, he did get a little bit of a message about about either improving his uh, his technique or shielding it for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and Laurie, I've got a hard-hitting question. Um, sorry to do this to you, but we ask the hard questions on Green and Gold. Uh, um, no, that's, that's fine, mate. Yeah, you've, so you've, had, you've obviously had a big influence with the forwards at the Brumbies, but uh, I think your influence has gone too far because I think Dan Palmer's trying to develop a Laurie Fisher hairstyle, isn't he? Look, I tell you what, that, that is looking good. I, I don't know if it'll last the season, but I, but I, I'm impressed by it. It's a bit of a mane, really, if anything, and uh, I do like the look of it. I think you could, uh, you could, you could get him with a grey in it, and uh, and then I'd really have some admiration for him. And add the goatee beard. Yeah. He's looking like he's looking like Charlemagne on his way over to France, mate. Wow, well, he'll fit in over there. There's no doubt about that. Now, look, he's a, he's a he's a great lad. He's, Wonderful part of our environment, and uh, and as everybody acknowledges, he, he's the premier scrummaging tight head in Australia. Like he's he's very very talented in the scrum. So that's yeah. got to be. We we talked about this last week actually on the on the podcast, but and we we hope to maybe talk to the man direct about it. But that's got to be that's quite a body blow to Australian rugby. Is the best tight head prop we've got, you know, off to you know Grenoble, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's both him and, and Celeste heading AMC, so it, it, it's, uh, it certainly creates opportunities for other guys. But yeah, look, I, I, I don't think, I don't think it's, it's great news for Australia to be losing, you know, two good, two good, uh, tight head props. You know, you'd, I don't know, I don't know what, what more can be done, you know, with, with salary cap and, and top ups to keep them, but, uh, it, it certainly is a, a concern. Yes. So um, it's a done deal, like there's no, it's not up in the air yet. What's that? It's a done deal. He is going. Oh, that's my understanding. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah I think he signed. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a well, that's a, that's a pity. But yeah, hopefully, I have a chat with him about that. Um, do, you, do you think was there an element of him thinking he would develop that art more, or that it'd be more 
I mean, I don't know, somehow more appreciated or was he just looking to travel the world a bit? Do you know any of the other things that kind of influenced him? Oh, no, look, you'd, you'd, you'd probably have to catch up with, with Dan on that. Look, but certainly it's a, it's probably a, an art that's more appreciated in the Northern Hemisphere that that that, that uh, the scrummaging is, is a important and revered part of the game. A lot of sides will... They'll, you, know, you, you look at a side like Leicester who... who yeah, they've got strength across the park, but they win a lot of games on the strength of uh, of three, six, nine from scrum penalties. Uh, you know, some um, penalty tries. It's a it's a enormous part of the game in the northern hemisphere. So he'll enjoy that. Yeah. Alrighty, um, Scott. Did you have anything else to kind of finish up with? Yeah, yeah. Just on defence, Laurie. Um, I mean, obviously, you would have been pleased with the fact you put pressure on the Reds. Um, and I'll, I've got a video that I'll put up on uh, Wednesday, just showing some of the great work you guys did. You missed a few tackles, which I'm a few more than I think you probably would have wanted to. But then you scrambled really well. Um, yeah. In terms of your defence, what's Brian Smith brought to the table that's different? Uh, an attitude, as much as anything, that, that uh, defence is more than just chopping. It's the you know, that. that well, whilst we maintain a low tackle focus, but really is about wanting to get some domination in your work, and that might be just in in your line speed. And, and you'll notice that we we probably had more line speed across the park than we would have had last year. But I think he's really instilled a, an attitude of wanting to go and, and and get the opposition rather than wait for them to come to you. And and I think you know if if you get your attitude right, if you want to defend on the front foot. Uh, then that's half the battle, and, and I thought we did that pretty consistently. We certainly missed—I think we missed uh, 11 tackles in the last six or seven minutes uh, of the game. But it, uh, it's interesting. I think we missed we missed seven tackles against the Reds in the in the same game last year, and conceded one try. We missed 21 tackles in this game and conceded no tries. So it's yeah, you know, it's funny how different stats, uh, uh, you know appear and, and, and what they mean. Yeah, yeah, it's one thing to miss a tackle, but then, as you say, the attitude is we've missed it, someone else will clean it up, and your scramble was really good, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, we missed Cooper, four, you know, like four guys missed him on a sixpence, and the same as Chris Sautier when he came on, and I think three guys missed him in the space of five metres, but he got cleaned up. Like I didn't involve, so there's, there's seven missed tackles on two players in, in about ten seconds worth of rugby. Uh, but but I don't think it should detract from from our basic defensive system, which was which is a, a real step forward from what it was last year. Oh, absolutely, I think any team in Super Rugby that can shut uh, or hold the Reds to zero tries is going to be happy. Yeah, no, we certainly had to with it, and and as, as we said at the very start, that it started with police pressure, uh, and then it, it, it transfers into line speed and not allowing game on quick release. Uh, first phase, uh, and, and then you're in your work from there. So we, you know, we did, we did it pretty well. And they, they put some heat on us. And we, they really had a crack late in the game with, with Lance and and Quaid and those having their days. So we, uh, we we did miss a few late, but I thought for, for the most part that we we showed that that we're going to be in in uh, you know, hard line to break this year. Okay. Well, mate, look, I'm going to just a couple of quick fire ones just to finish off on, um, so we can let you go. Um, I've got a, a, some questions here for some guys on Facebook. Uh, Marty Askew asked, what do you think about Ben Moen's best position? Would he be better suited to six with Fotu at eight? Because obviously he played eight and I thought had a belter on the weekend. Um, what's your thinking around where Ben's best suited? 
Yeah, well, well, we liked him as an eight because our eight, particularly off scrum, uh, t- tends to, to go to first breakdown and, and our six is our ball carry around the corner. So, yeah, if, if, you know, when we play Ben and Fodder in the same team, I'd, I'd rather have Fodder carrying around the corner than, than hunting first breakdown and, and cleaning rucks. And it's the same for line out with, with, uh, you know, with, with Ben, a significant calling and jumping role, and, and we'd, we'd run fodder around the corner second phase. So I prefer my ball carry to be my six, and and my, my eight to be working harder at the breakdown, supporting seven. So for the way our system works, I'd, I'd much prefer to have Ben an eight. That's great. Okay, that's a great answer. Um, the next one I've got here is from Billy Bob Vandervale. One hell of a one hell of a name. Um, and, well, you can you probably guess, I think, but uh, switch. Yeah. <laughs> he asks, um, who on the Brumbies uh, that hasn't been in Wallaby's camp should be included for the Lions tour? So who, who's your bolter, mate? Uh, well, well I, I do think that Ben uh, deserves uh, an opportunity to be considered at that level. Uh, that he has, he's put on size this year. You can see that his running game, when he, when he took that ball uh, into Gillock, I think, he, I think his running game will be uh, a real step ahead of where it was last year. So... Uh, you know, I think I think he'll be there about. The other guys that are that are on the edge. Look, I think Matt Demua, if he can stay injury free, will have a real breakout season for him. He's a class act, uh, very very good player. So I've really got my fingers crossed for him. And I think Jesse Mogg uh, will have an outstanding season as well. Um, you know, he showed on on Saturday night that he's he's made great progress in, in the off season. If you look at our forwards. Uh, you know, we've got we've got a Wallaby front row. We've, we've got uh, Parry there. I, I think Peter Kimlin again. Hopefully, you know, he, he made a, a couple of small errors on Saturday, but again, I think his running game and his defence was outstanding. Uh, you know, Sam Carter's probably a, a year away from from uh, starting to push for higher honours. So look, we've got a couple of guys there that I think should be in the mix. Okay. And mate, I, actually, I must admit, I heard a complete bit of scuttlebutt. Um, through the wires, George Smith, uh, old Brumby, he's not sniffing back around, is he? Have I got complete uh, look, crosswise there? I don't know. Look, I know, I know that he's playing in the Bulls Japan final this weekend, mate. So, uh, and I presume after that he'll be returning to Australia because his family's still here. And okay. but other than that, I, I I don't know, mate. Okay, cool. Alrighty, well, look, mate, we, we've uh, taken up the time that we said we would. Thanks so much for coming on again. Um, and congrats on the weekend. Great way to start. And uh, you're off down to Melbourne this weekend, right? So uh, what do you think that's got to have in store for you guys? What, do you, what are you focusing on? Yeah, well, I mean, they, they're, they're definitely an improved side. You know, they've, they've got uh, uh, probably their best side. I think he can definitely make a big difference to them this year, give them a, a little bit of a harder edge in the forwards. Uh, you know, Guys like Tyler and that have made progress. I was really impressed with the seven on the weekend. Uh, the Kiwi guy, Fuse and Stella, whatever his name is, all his work rate was astonishing on the weekend. So, obviously, Bill and O'Connor, who are class acts, so look, I think they'll pose uh, plenty of challenges. Uh, we need to play well, we need to have our heads in the right spot. But uh, last weekend was last weekend, and mm. next weekend is next weekend, so we need to get it right. All right, mate. Well, well, good luck. Thanks so much for coming on again. Always good to talk to you. And um, we'll, we'll Cheers, catch up on you maybe later in the season. Fantastic. Well, lovely to speak to you. Thanks, Thanks Laurie. See you, Laurie. Bye-bye. Bye.
Rush there, rush there, rush there. Well, it's always great to have Laurie on. Uh, he always gives you a great insight, I think, and uh, you know, and an honest, straight-up answer. And um, you know, fascinating to hear what they'd really f- focused on uh, versus the Reds. Uh, what else kind of grabbed you out of that game? I mean, Timsy, you've been quiet. Uh, did you? you I, I presume you, you saw that game, did you? Yeah, yeah, I did see the game. It uh, it, it was. A fantastic contest. Uh, I, I, I'm just having trouble coming to terms with the fact that Dan Palmer's going. So, yeah, still gutted. Yeah, I am. It's uh, you know, it's a bit of a shame. No, we're going to have to get him on. I like the kid. Yeah, we'll, we'll be working on that for sure. Yeah, it was one of these games. I, I, I guess you're either of this mindset or you're not. It was one of these games that I felt that the rhythm of the scoring affected it. Um, in that, I think the Reds had a whole bunch of shots quite early on and. Um, uh, yeah, Mike Harris had a, a very poor game of the boot for him. Uh, they all, yeah, all of his kicks were at the very, very edge of his range. So, I mean, yeah. I know they had wind, but he, he does, yeah, he's not a long distance kicker. They probably sure. should have let Quaid have those kicks. But I, I, I did think if he'd just landed a couple more of those, that could have really made, you know, there's those sorts of things in a tight game like that kind of affect the rhythm, whether you're ahead or behind. But yeah. I say that, and then the Brumbies had a shocker. I think they hit five out of ten between them all, and they had to end up sharing the kicking around because it wasn't going. Yeah, I think I about 15 if... players had a kick, didn't they? Yeah, just <laughs> at one stage, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I read an interesting thing, which I was going to put to Laurie, but apparently it was because the uh, the kicking – well. Jake White was saying that they don't usually have the kicking coach in the box, but he came along to the game and even talked to the players before it. And and I think Jake White was in the paper saying, you know, he's going to review whether that's a good idea or not because he thought maybe that put them off. I don't know, Scott, what do you, what do you reckon? Are you a believer that the pattern of scoring can change a game, affects a game like that, or you think it's just, it's, you know, it all comes out in the wash? Well, I definitely think the pattern can affect it. Um if you look at the first three penalties the Reds had, which were very quick, I think it was in the first six minutes they had three penalties. The first one was well within range. Um, no doubt you take that kick. Okay, yep. the next the next two were on the edge of the range, and they were wide too. So they were always, you know, maybe 50-50 kicks. I think there, and that's that's the game for me, is that I expected the Reds to come out. They knew what the Brumbies were going to give. They were going to be very defensive. The breakdown was going to be a fierce contest. All those things held true. If I reckon if the Reds, on either of those two penalties, the second and third penalties, you know, had signalled their intent and had gone on the attack and had driven the ball into the corner and had a crack, if they pull off a try there, you know, I think that that changes the rhythm of the game, as you say. Mm. Even, you know, even if they kick both the penalties and it's 9-0 after six minutes, that certainly would change the rhythm of the game. But mm. would it, it would have changed it more, I reckon, if they'd, if they'd signalled their intent to attack. Um, the Reds, to me, played a far more conservative game than I expected them to. Yeah. And to a certain extent, I think they played into the Brumbies' hands. Yeah. But, I mean, I think you were saying, uh, it might have been off here, we were having a bit of a chat, and you were saying, you know, kudos to the Brumbies there. And I think you've got some analysis coming, which just said, you know, as Laurie admitted in his in the interview there, they really attacked the source of first phase, especially at the line-out, and uh, it really crueled uh, the Reds. Oh, I absolutely. And I don't think many people would have expected that. 
Yeah. Uh, the Reds line-out has always been really good. They had Simmons, who's a good operator, and Adam Wallace Harrison, who's a very good operator. Their trial form, both of them were going well in the line-out. Um, that's a great game plan to come up and say, let's take on a really good line-out and let's give them a look that maybe others haven't given them. Maybe other teams can see to a certain extent, look, they're a good line-out, let them win the ball and then shut them down after that. But when you take first-phase attack away from the Reds, you, you change the way the Reds play. Yep. And, yeah, yeah. I will, obviously I've got a video on Wednesday that looks at some of those first-phase where the Reds, you could see the opportunity was there, but the way they attacked the line-out took the opportunity away. Yeah, I, and think, that, I don't think we see enough of it in Australian rugby, and that's jumping at every line-out. Like, I know Laurie, he, he said there was a couple that they just didn't contest, but for the most part, they had pods up at every one, and you said, you know, two pods or three at, at quite often. So attack, attacking the defensive line-out is probably something that, they, they wouldn't have expected. Yeah, and I, and, and I cut up their line-outs, and you said to me off-air when I said hello tonight that I sounded excited Well, because I wanted to talk to Laurie because, you know, they came up with some great tactics in terms of the set piece. Um, yes, they dished the reds at the scrum, but their line-out tactics were great, and looking through their line-outs, you know, they made it, and the reds only lost one line-out. But as I said, what they did was they they made it, you know, 43% clean ball. And a lot of that was just by getting a guy in the air, being alongside him, no matter where the Reds went in terms of their deception. And I must say, there wasn't a lot of that. And I, again, I think that was the Reds. They were, they were on the basis of, we can get in the air faster than any other team. We'll win our line out. But the Brumbies were there up in front of them all the time. Um, and then the Reds didn't have an answer. They didn't then say, all right, these guys are good today. We've got to throw in plan B, which is some deception or some movement. They had very limited movement. They basically just went the standard line out and let's be faster into the air. And the Brumbies outdid them. Mm. I mean, if this is something that the Brumbies have managed to work up even more in their game plan, in their armory for this year, it's got to make you think, Scott, that um, they're even probably better placed or better prepared to be uh, contenders outside of the Australian conference because... You know, that's, that's the sort of tactic that'll, you know, defeat some some very good teams, isn't it? Absolutely. That's a really good platform. So, you know, and defence is really important in high-level rugby. Yeah. So super rugby, you know, international rugby, at that sort of level. But defence starts with cut the ball off at source. And, and Laurie made, you know, he alluded to that. If you can stop them getting the ball so they can run a first-phase play, which the Reds are fantastic at, it's one of their trademarks, mm. then what do they do next? Then you can start putting your rush defence in. So if you just concede, you know, obviously last year I was critical of the Wallabies conceding, which they did. They didn't compete like the Brumbies do. Well, then you give teams a crack. And the thing is, if you get your first-phase play, even if it's not a spectacular move that gets a line break, but you get over the gain line... That sets up your attack for every phase that follows. But if you're stopped before the game line, or worse still, you're going backwards, as the Reds did a number of times on first phase, then the other team has the advantage. And that's what the, the Brumbies did to them. It's, yeah. it's a great game plan. It works against every team in the world. Yeah. And you need to, and you know, and you, you throw into that that, you know, the, the most number of tries are scored off uh, line out. Um, so, you know, you, 
you, you cut you cut that off, and you know it's no surprise that you start to hold the teams like the Reds to, to, to zero tries, and it makes everything a lot easier, doesn't it? Absolutely. And the other thing that you look at, if you look at the stats from the weekend, um, and you look at all four teams, the lowest percentage for the first six phases before you turn the ball over, whether it's a penalty or you score or you lost the ball, whatever, ninety percent. And the Rebels were 97%. So let's say, you know, somewhere in the around about 92% range, possession lasts six phases or less. And on average, it's about 65% when you come back to three phases or less. So the reality is, at Super Rugby level, you've got to do something in the first three phases, or 65% of your opportunity is gone. If you haven't done something within six phases... A little over 90% of your opportunity is gone. Mm. So first phase becomes really, really important. If you don't make something happen on first phase, you're going to end up kicking the ball away. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not just uh, it's not just you and me who thinks the uh, Brumbies are now a shoe in to win the whole thing. <laughs> um, the uh, the rank the ranker that we've got on the site uh, it's it's still in the forum. Post that game, it was fa- fascinating mm. to see it kind of. Uh, shoot around in different directions during the week. I think the Reds were ahead of the Brumbies prior to the weekend, but now the Brumbies are first um, in the whole Super Comp, ahead of the Chiefs, according to our ranker. And then there's the Sharks, the Crusaders, the Highlanders and the Stormers. And then the the Reds have dropped to seventh based on that one (laughs) game. So um, not to say that our readers are fickle, (laughs) <laughs> or that that one game one game makes a difference. Uh, maybe they've just seen something in the Brumbies there that uh, that, that, that that they like. Uh, weeks a long time in rugby. It'll switch again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I, I I was one of the ones who predicted that the Brumbies would beat the Reds. Doesn't doesn't please me to have been right, but um, yeah. Well, to we'll a certain extent, I could see it coming. We'll wait to see, and we'll talk about later on in the show whether you reckon your part two of your prediction is still on the cards as well. What about uh, other players? Um, who, who stood out to, to, to people? Tim, did anyone jump out of that game to you? Uh, well, I've already spoken of the of the uh, tight head there, so I, w- I won't speak about that. But I thought Nick White made a really good comeback from injury. I, he I thought he might have been a little bit more hesitant than he was, but... Uh, yeah, doesn't seem to have lost much. No, I, I thought he really he, he bossed the play a lot, and I thought again, you know, having his kicking game back, um, and Jesse Mogg doesn't have a bad boot on him either, does he? But it no. makes such a difference when you get a, a, a decent kick away. Um, the big chat, the big clash that everyone was talking about and was waiting to see, and I guess the the the, the biggest one will be when Pocock probably uh, uh, takes on the, the Tars with uh, Hooper. But what did you make of the Gill? Pocock clash uh, there, Scott? Well, I thought at the breakdown, they were level. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they both got some crucial turnovers. I thought in terms of attack, Gill was probably a little better. Um, uh, overall, I would say absolutely level. I, I don't think Gill was outshadowed by Pocock at all. Gill, as you would have seen, has really grown in size in the mm-hmm. off season. Um, yeah. Whether that's just natural growth, or um, sorry, in terms of age, or whether you know he's done a lot, you know, a lot of work in the gym. 
he's looking he's almost looking like a six at the moment he's sort of verging on that seven or six but mm. I, th- I thought they were both great uh, the breakdown contest was fantastic um, oh yeah yes there were guys lying all over the place but that was because they were both teams were throwing bodies in there um really good to watch mm. no, was, I'll tell you what, from the brumbies i thought mm. ben Mullen was fantastic he wasn't he good? Um, I, yeah. I, that he was going to be my standout, and the, the standout I, I just thought where I saw him do it time and time again was just when you thought a ruck was stabilised, um, and the Reds would, would, yeah, the Reds were just about to, you know, clear. He would just go through and bulldoze it, you know, through the gate, go in, smash somebody, and it was, you know, and it, not necessarily a turnover, but he would turn what was kind of middle speed ball into slow ball. Um, and he just did that time and time again. It was really effective. I mean, what did you see in his game? Well, you're right. I saw a different element to him this year, and maybe I didn't watch as much as I should have last year of him. It, the, the breakdown work he did and the hard work he did, the physical work, he seemed to be a, a lot more physical player this year. He's obviously skillful. Tactically, he's very good. Obviously a good leader. That They're all givens from last year. But I think he's added this year that that physicality, particularly around the breakdown. As you say, he was the leader. His line-out work's always been good, and again, it was excellent. And they, they used him as a bit of a linchpin in the line-out. Mm-hmm. You know, all the things that you say, tick, 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 that's what you want in an international player. We'll mm-hmm. see. But, uh, but I'll tell you, you've already talked about Nick White and his kicking game. I thought he was good around the park. The kicking game's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mog... He he's really looking good, yeah. um, but but also don't you know for the Brumbies? I thought Stephen Moore was outstanding. Yeah, um, Pocock and, he was good, but you know not. I I don't think he was a standout. No, I I didn't think he. But and that's what I thought worked so well about the Brumbies uh, in this game was that uh, you know they really worked as a pack. Um, and the other bit you could do is, um, I know Link talks about this being out of budget from players that you know you're going to get. It's kind of like, you know, I, I say, you know, Moen was hitting those rucks, but, you know, so was Fardy, so was Carter. Um, Kimmon was getting in there making a nuisance of himself. It was it was a real all-round performance, wasn't it, um, in that, uh, you know, it wasn't just down to one or two players in that ruck. There was always five guys who were, you know, there and there around the ball and working hard. And it was interesting to hear Laurie say it rather than working necessarily hard to get around the corner to be a running option. They were working hard to get there to be a, um, you know, an, an option that I hope we're not keeping you up there, Timsey. Um, no, mate, I'm good. Uh, uh, you know, to, to, to work hard at, you know, you know, really getting in there and either defending or, or hassling the, the breakdown. It was, um, that, that was, that was pretty impressive. I thought, um, yeah. So uh, that's so that's the the Brumbies versus the Reds. Um, what about the Reds players? What do you think of them? Yeah, who 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 kind of <laughs> who who stood out? Timsey, anyone to you? Um, yeah, there there was some there was some good stuff. I, I liked I liked what Gil did. I thought I also thought um, Quirk had yeah. a pretty good game. I know uh, I, I had I have questions about. His quality, but he showed that he's a hard worker and he, he did a lot there. So very impressed with that. Um, I also think it probably took a little bit longer than it should have, but Quaid started to come to life at the end and showed that he still had something behind basically a beaten pack. Uh, yeah, there's probably a 
There's probably more than I'm overlooking. Yeah, Taps Taps is always good though. Yeah, yeah, but but he was he was really good the other night. I tell you, the other guy that impressed me was Hampton when he came on for Fyinga. I, I yeah, I just... think he's got. I think he's got to start. We've talked about this offline before, Scott. I think he's got to start. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I mean, I I I felt. Actually, you know, as we put the team of the week together, I actually wanted to challenge it a bit because I thought, well, you know, um, it, it wasn't like uh, everybody in the Reds had a bad game, did they? But, I mean, I kind of go through there and I, there was just a number of people who kind of stood out for me, I thought, as, you know, as kind of n- not impressing overly. Probably the guy, you know, Simmons, actually. I thought, I know we've talked about him before and I don't want to, you know, hopefully we're not getting into a downward spiral on the guy, but... The, the, the most I notice him is when he's getting pinged for a dumb penalty. It just seems to be something I'm not sure he's able to get out of. Um, and you know, then complaining it, to the referee that it wasn't me, sir. What are you talking about? I don't know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, and, and the silly stink, you know, um, sort of that sort of stuff, which, you know, in a game like that, you know, you, no one can take a step backwards, but then there's just, you know, getting stupid. So, and, and penalty magneting. So, you know, there was that, um, you know, I... Yeah, I don't know. I found it. I found it hard to be wowed by many of the Reds' performances, which is probably a bit harsh because they weren't necessarily a million miles away. But um, I thought it was one of those games where they just got caught um, by the Brumbies, and just uh, it was an arm wrestle that they came out on the wrong side of. Um, yeah, and, uh, and another one I was impressed with was John O'Lance when he came on. I thought he made a bit of a difference. Um, Absolutely, probably probably coincided a bit with Quaid picking up as well. So uh, I think that he. Selling him a bit short, not mentioning him, but uh... yeah, I was surprised the Reds went with Tour at thirteen. When I I would have thought the better combination was Lance at twelve and push Tapawaii out to thirteen. Yep. Um, but you know that's the way they went. Selecting a guy like Tour at thirteen said we are going to play wide and fast. He's a yep. he's a very quick guy. He's great acceleration, great footwork. So you select a guy like that at 13 and then don't play the game to suit him? Yeah. Where have I heard that before? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. Right. Well, let's then talk about uh, the other game, the first game of the season, uh, Rebels versus Force. And how refreshing Um, was it to have the Australian teams opening the Super 15 for a change? It's always (laughs) been the Kiwis have had the first game every year. It's about time it was our turn. Some of our best performing teams we got out there. Um, well, but it was a, it was a, it was a cracker of a game to watch to, to start anyway, wasn't it? Um, it was. Pl- plenty of pace and yep. uh, around the place, uh, end-to-end action. Um, but and it was I thought you know to be honest with you it was kind of uh, well to me it just looked you know for large periods of times it's how I just have grown to characterise the force which is they look to kind of control large periods of the game in both territory and possession. And then just get sucker punched every time, um, and it just happened to them time and time again. And then, you know, probably the biggest sucker punch in in the game was with the, the two yellows they attracted. Um, but before we get into those, because uh, I think the refereeing is a bit of a, a has been a talking point from this from this weekend. Um, what else did you guys make from this game, uh, Scott? Who kind of who who or what stood out to you? Um, well, for the force, I thought Faulkner, the number three who, quite honestly, I don't know anything about. I haven't researched him, but, gee, he was good. I don't know where he came from, but he was good. Um, I thought Cottrell at six was outstanding. Um, 
Actually, I thought Albie Matthewson played really well. I mean, obviously, he's a class player, but he seems to have fitted in, gave them a bit of a direction. The guy I was most impressed with out of the force was Godwin. Yeah, Kyle. You know, he was really good. But I thought Murphy and Dellard on the wings were really good. In terms of the Rebels, um, I thought Pyle was outstanding. Interesting, you know, there's a, there's a lock who seemed to spend most of his time on the wing, but when he got the ball, gee, did some damage. Um, Laurie Weeks was good at uh, number three for them. Uh, Kingy obviously scored a couple of tries. I thought O'Connor was outstanding. I thought he showed all the skills, whereas Beal, you know, I, I, I don't... He missed seven tackles, which is not good, but I just... I don't know. Was he asleep? Is he going to take some time to get into it? I would have thought that an international-level player of his skill, and I rate him as a very good player, I expected him to dominate, and, gee, he was quiet. Yeah. It's yep. a pretty fair summation. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'll tell you what I... Um, and it was probably why I felt quite sorry for them as well. I mean, you know, you, you're used to the force toiling away in the forward pack. Um, and, and probably they just missed a bit of that punch, you know, that they lost from Sharpie and, um, and Pocock. But I was actually, you know, I was quite impressed by the shape of their back line, I thought, this year. Um, they had a couple of nicely worked little moves, which just, um, uh, you know, just nice from phase, um, you know, just using numbers um, and, and, and just straightening and, um, you know, fixing men, um, the, especially the one I think it might have been for Murphy's try that I think we've put on the uh, You Choose Best Tries um, where, Mar- where Murphy scores in, in the corner. And I must say, geez, he's, he's a he's, – I remember when he's – was playing for the Tars and he was this skinny but fast kid. And now he's a he's he's definitely got some size on him, but still seems to have a bit of pace. Um, yeah. But I, I thought the the and I understand and I put a tweet out saying you know what's happened to the force backline? Who's coaching it? And I understand it's Steve Meehan who's um, who's running them. And I just felt that they looked like they had a lot more idea of what you know what they're about and uh, what their shape was. I don't know. Did you pick up on that, Scott? Yeah, he comes with a pedigree, Steve Meehan, of mm. you know playing real attacking rugby. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was I was impressed. Um, I thought um, C.S. Everson when he came on in the last ten minutes, you know, big well, not a big name signing, but a signing, you know, an international signing. I th- didn't think he was very impressive. Um, I, I I thought when you consider Cummins wasn't in there and. Realistically, for me, looking at that team, I, I don't think Cummins is a 13, but the only guy that I would look at there and say Cummins would take his spot would be uh, Stanley at 13. So I wouldn't be surprised if he slots in there because I certainly thought Murphy and Dellert on the wings both looked really good. Yeah. No, Dellert looked, uh, and again, he's a, he's a much bigger guy. Uh, I, I, I hadn't noticed how big he was before, or maybe a, he is bigger than he used to be. No, he's definitely much big. Oh, well, you know, yeah, much bigger. Because he, he, he had a, a, a stint up north, didn't he, up in uh, the UK? Yeah. And that's where he's, that's where he's come back from. And, uh, yeah, I, I, well, I didn't even have him down as a big fella. But, um, anyway, he looks to me like he's put some bulk on. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, so in talking about the flow of that game, again, I, th- I thought that, and we had it down as the turning point, was the, uh, 
the two yellow cards, uh, you know, it was one for Matthewson and one for Alcock, I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, the flanker for the force, which meant yep. that they, around about the 60-minute mark, I think it was, just when they were still within a try of the force, they were down to 13 men, and then I think the force got a try on or so, and it kind of blew it out so that they were always chasing the game. They managed to get themselves back to full four points, I think, just within a few minutes to go. But and- that- Appropriately, earned the first force of the season. <laughs> May the force be with them. Hmm. Um, so, what about those? Uh, it's, it's been pretty controversial. I know Twitter went ape um, as it happened. Um, how did you guys feel about it? Were they legit? Well, I must say, I thought the turning point came before the yellow cards. The, re- the rebels sort of kicked into gear and. I thought they were going away from the force, but I thought Alcox was, you know, that's what happens. There's repeated infringements. It's not just him. It's a team thing. Yeah. I thought the Matthewson one, I, I don't think that deserved the yellow card, to be perfectly honest. It, it, no. Yeah, yeah, what did it so. what, what do you do? Way. You've already given a penalty. Do you just give a caution? Probably. Did it affect the game at all? No. They'd already pointed to the posts. They were already going for a shot at goal. Uh, you'll see that uh, on Thursday we, we've got a, a U-Choose episode you know, that looks at the shockers of the week and we've thrown that yellow card in as one of them. Um, mm. Whether it's a shocker or not, it's controversial. Uh, no, I, I don't see how that's a yellow card. Yeah. And that had a major impact on the game. The yeah. next try that the Rebels score is because, you know, they're obviously covering one short in the forwards, but they've also got to take their winger out of the back line and guess where they score. Yeah. So, yeah. no, I think that was a little an over-top. The, the other thing is that people criticise the referee for the first two yellow cards. Right or wrong, he acted on an assistant referee's report. True, yeah. He's not going to stand there and say, well, I didn't see it, I'm going to therefore overrule you. He's going to take... And can you imagine if he did and he was wrong? Fuck. Yeah. Um, I've seen some people say there was an assistance report for the Matthewson one. Having watched that video over and over again, there wasn't. The referee made that call on his own, so that's on his head. And it was wrong. Get it right or wrong? Well, I think he got it wrong. Mm. Yeah, it was a toughie. And, I mean, I I think uh, we touched on it. uh, We might as well stay on the refereeing for now. I think we talked about the the, the other howling has been around, especially, I think, the refereeing and the the Reds-Brumbies game. But um, as we were talking with Laurie there, I, you know, in in my mind, uh, and uh, I think uh, you you can give us a bit more detail on this, Scott, but, you know, know, the referees and everyone had instruction about exactly how they were going to ref this first weekend. Um, and it was to be make sure that we could we we get some attacking rugby going. So um, that's why we were seeing the penalties, and you know teams just need to adjust. Um, what what you you were mentioning, uh, Scott, about the instruction that came through. What what, what is it that it says? Well, some game management guidelines that are issued. They're issued every year, and they they specify the areas that team that the referees are going to focus on, and in particular. They are focusing on um, if you're the tackler and you go to ground, then you, you – oh, well, sorry. If you're anywhere, the tackler or the assist tackler, you must give clear release. It's no good just having your hands sort of an inch or two away. So this is where people talk about chicken wing. If you don't give that, you're going to get penalised. 
if you fall as the tackler on the wrong side of the ball, whether you get knocked over or whether it's intentional or not, it doesn't matter. If you're on the wrong side of the ball and you don't exit immediately, even if there's a guy on top of you. So it's no excuse to say, I tried, but I couldn't. If you're in front of the ball, or sorry, behind the ball or on the wrong side of the ball, you will be penalised. Um, and that, that's all aimed to give the attacking team as fast a ball as possible. Um, you know, the other thing is if you're not supporting your weight, so there are a number of occasions where I think David David Pocock didn't get penalised. David Pocock stole the ball in the Brumbies-Reds game, but Nick White had gone off his feet and he'd fallen on the wrong side of the ball. Pocock was on his feet, no doubt about it. If if it wasn't for Nick White, he would have got the ball. So they they haven't changed the laws they, about stealing the ball. It's just that Nick White was off his feet and he got knocked over. That's fine. You know, they're not saying... That, sorry, what they're saying is we're not going to work out or try to work out intentional or not intentional or did you get knocked over. If you're there, you're there. Bad luck. Gone. It's a penalty. So well, I, for one, I, I, for one, welcome the new interpretations, if you want to call them that, or the new the new guidelines, as long as Richard McCaw is refereed the same way. <laughs> well, these, these, these are super rugby guidelines. Yeah, sans are. Um, but... Yeah, sans are. And they're in writing. And if you compare what's in writing, and I've been to sessions with super rugby referees in the pre-season, where they have told the players that, you know, and basically the referees are really good. They come along to sessions, you, you know, it's a pre-season session, and they will referee what's going on in training as though it was a game. And then they'll pull them up and they, they bring the players in and they say, our instructions are this, this, and this. You've been penalised because of this. If you And they explain it really clearly. There is no, and I'm sure the super rugby teams have all had that, there is no way you cannot understand. I went into the weekend with a very clear understanding of what was going to happen at the breakdown. I read the guidelines and the way they were refereed in both games, and Laurie agreed with this, it's as they've been told. Now, I also know that as a coach, you're going to say to your players, push it a little bit and find out if they're going to apply what they said. Mm. You know, you then probably would say, okay, we've tested it back off a little bit. And, and I know that there were some comments um, in the, at the end of games where the players said in the second half we decided not to contest as hard as we were. I didn't see, I mean, there were mistakes made, don't get me wrong. And referees will always make mistakes, both sides. Uh, but there was nothing in the games, both of them, where I would say, well, that's not in accordance with the game management guidelines. Yeah. And, and if teams get used to it, and it will take some time, I understand that. It, it is a slight change. It's not a major change, but it's a slight change. If they get used to it and they start getting out of there really quickly, we will have a faster game, and I think that's good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where we want to get to. Um Okay, so I think that pretty much wraps up, you know, the first two games. It's amazing. What are we going to do when we have, you know, the, the full round? It's going to blow our minds again, um, all these different, you know, different games of rugby. Um, before we get into next week, uh, just quickly, I just wanted to mention, uh, I don't know if you guys mentioned or noticed that the Lions tickets went underway today. Uh, got the, the, the 
remainder of the allocation that if you weren't a, a friend of the ARU or whatever it was called, um, that, uh, you know, this was the chance. I understand that they all went within 15 minutes of going on sale. So, um, you know, the, the, the reason why I mention this and it kind of makes me have a wry smile is I know everyone's worried, well, you know, we had to keep, we had to re-sign John O'Neill for a few extra years and, you know, the massive advertising campaign that's been going on to make sure we sell these tickets, um, they went in the first 15 minutes. So something tells me that uh, we probably didn't need to worry quite so much. But it does mean, obviously, and I think this is also all the um, pre-games, all the uh, the Dirt Tracker games as well are gone um, as well. So if you if you were hanging out to wondering whether you're going to buy get a ticket or not, I think they're gone. So it's uh, going to be another, hopefully not a, just a sea of red, but it's going to be very popular. He who hesitates loses. Indeed. Um, so yeah. So anyway, I've got uh, I got I got myself a few tickets, and uh, including a little family four to go see the Tars take on and and, and topple the Lions, uh, which I look forward to. Um, if, if uh, you guys you got 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 organised, hopefully. Yeah, I'm, oh, I think I'll be alright. <laughs> <laughs> you sound confident, mate. Yeah, no, yeah. no worries, mate. No worries. I'm hoping my media pass comes through. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're banking on. Chief if it assault. doesn't, I'll be on TV. <laughs> <laughs> okay. At the pub, mate. Yes, all right. Um, sometimes that's the best view. Uh, right. So let's run through um, then this, these, these games next weekend. On Friday, uh, I think we've got the Rebels uh, and the Brumbies. So the Brumbies going down there. Um, how do you guys see this unfolding? And what should we be looking out for? Timsey, what's, what's your gut on this? Um, I don't know. You know what? I hate it, the first games. Yeah. I know we've had a couple, but I'm really bad at tipping the first few. Yeah, you need, you need, you need the kind of the vibe to build up, right? Yeah, I do. I do. Mm. I'm not going to make a call. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been concentrating purely on Saturday night. I don't think this one would be hard to call. I mean, I'm going to say I think the Brumbies um, should be able to put more than enough pressure on this. Do you see it different, Scott? No. <laughs> no, I, I I think the Brumbies will be very confident. Um, mm. Don't get me wrong. I thought the Rebels played really well. I thought they were a major improvement from last year in round one, but they were up against the force. Yeah, I, I think the Brumbies will get this, and I, I, I'm not going to give a point you margin. Bonus point? No. Oh yeah, I think they'll get a bonus point. Get a bonus point. Yep. So time for the first Rebels collapse of the season, by the sounds of things. Um, <laughs> What I am looking forward to, though, is I, I'd, I'd like to see, you know, and I think the, the Brumbies will have a lot more space and time uh, will be able to, you know, get quicker ball. And it'll be fascinating to see what, um, you know, Tamua and Leila Fano can do there um, and what they can un- unleash with that back line, um, you know, the likes of Spate um, as well. So um, I think that's no, going to be... No, Spate's out. Is he out? Is he? Yep, he's out for, they think, two weeks, so... T- uh, Tamani will come in, and that's not a bad replacement. No, I don't mind him coming back either. No, absolutely. Uh, Tamani, Mog. I mean, I thought Rathbone, that was great. It was all fantastic to see him back. 
didn't do a lot. Mm. I thought last week Spate and Mog were great, and I think this week Tamani and Mog will also be devastating against the Rebels. Mm. Yeah, I like Joey. Okay. So, yeah, I think that one is probably a pretty safe bet. Okay, then, Scott, Red versus the Tars. Your prediction was Reds would go down to the Brumbies. That has happened. Your other half of the prediction was the Reds will come back and upset the Tars. News today that Jimmy Horwell will not be back for this game. Does that throw your prediction out um, by any means? Jeez, you ask hard questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it certainly throws it out by a, a certain measure, I think a major measure. He is the leader. I, You know, James Slipper, good player, great guy. I, I don't know that he's the captain. I, I see Anthony Fiengas coming back. And yeah, I was going to ask about that. I haven't seen if he's back yet. Yeah, well, Anthony, uh, Link has said that he's fit and has hinted that he could take the captaincy. I think that would be a good move. I think Slipper can concentrate on what he's got to do in his role. Um, if they haven't got Horwell, which they haven't, they've said that he's not in, what they haven't announced yet is Samo fit or not. And I think mm-hmm. that's crucial. I don't think they can afford to go in with a forward pack that doesn't have either Horwell or Samo. They need some big bodies. The forwards, mm-hmm. they just didn't give the go forward I think they needed last week. I thought the back row, um, Quirk, Gill were really good. I, I thought Schatz was disappointing. Um, I think if they go in with those three younger guys again, then the Tars will get up. Um, if Samo's back and can give some go forward, um, and Fyinga's back, which will provide some leadership, and the third caveat I put on, if they oh, play some attack... So many conditions. Just say well, he's going to win. If they, if they play their natural game, which is attacking rugby, that's what the Reds are about. They've got the players to do it. They were too conservative in my mind last week. If they do, though, if so, if you've got Samo, Fyinga, and they play attacking rugby, the Reds can still make my prediction of coming back. Uh, any one of those three is missing? No, the Tars are going to get up. Okay. So it sounds to me like you've talked yourself. I mean, just remind me to hire you when I need to, you know, <laughs> get some legal advice or a contract together because I quite like the, the, the triple the triple clause thing here. Um, that were end all statements too. Yeah. I just don't want to say the Tars are going to win, all right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, I thought you did a pretty good I, job. I there. found a way that which the Weds can win. Um, <laughs> and if there's a cyclone that comes in from the east. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I, the thing, I guess this is why I hesitated when you asked the question earlier, you know, what about the Reds? Who did you like, the way they played? There was just something, I don't know, there was just that thing missing from them. And it was just like, wow, where's this spark that's just totally gone? And I guess maybe it was because, you know, you're saying, you know, as we talked about, the, the Brumbies got think, the upper, upper hand. But a question. Why are you talking about spark? Was your last Super Rugby match that you attended live... The Reds final? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's, that's what I was asking. You know, where was the yeah. spark that day? And was it just, and is it as simple as, you know, no Guinea, 
no spark? Is it as simple as that? I don't know. I was just kind of uh, asking myself that question. Is it possible that one man can add that much to a team that all of a sudden they're so much more dangerous? And I, I didn't think so. But so, and maybe it's a, commu- a cumulative thing, right? So no Kev Horwill, no Guinea, no Anthony Fianga, three big play, you know, three internationals. Um, you know, maybe that's what it is. But whatever it is, when I was looking at that team, I was just thinking. There is something very. This just doesn't look like that Reds team that we saw do so well. Um, you know, only a few, you know, a few years, and even last year. Um, and so maybe it's just some of those players missing. On the other hand, um, we haven't seen much of the Tars. I didn't see any of the trials live. Um, compared to compared to last year, they haven't lost a game yet, so they're off to a really good start. Indeed. <laughs> uh, well, no. Um, they get four t- points for the bye, so they're, they're petition games. Yeah. Watch watch my video on Wednesday, and I'll show you some examples of where the Reds in attack. It's it's not the Reds. Very disorganised. Defence, yep, they're good. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some concerns about defence coaches left, what will happen. Their defence was fine. But their attack, and and it's not down to just Genia. it's not down to just the Brumbies' pressure. Some of the things the Reds were doing, I'm honestly, I looked at it and I could have done a very long video on the disorganisation in attack. Oh. I've thrown a couple of examples in my video on Wednesday and it was really surprising because that's oh. the area that I, particularly from the trial games, the Reds showed some glimpses of really good attack and an intent to attack. The intent was not there on Saturday night. Oh. Well, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. And I, I think coming from a TAR perspective, um, you know, they've got a, a, a whole host of good names there to, again, cause a bit of mayhem up front, um, which I think they may well do. I think, as we've been talking about, we, I think we can suppose Czech has had some good influence on that. And then I think, uh, you know, the, the F-man, uh, I think Falau, is going to cause some headaches. Uh, he's, he's new enough. No, you know, people haven't quite figured him out yet. I'm sure he won't do this um, throughout the whole. Well, you know, a second time round will be different. But um, anyway, I'm looking forward to visiting Brisbane. Let's just leave it at that way. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit. I've got a little bit of confidence there, which is normal for a tar person. At the yeah, I was going to say he wouldn't be a tar supporter if he didn't. Exactly. <laughs> if it hadn't been ripped out of me by now. Anyway, so that's going to be an interesting one. But I do notice. Uh, a lot of Queenslanders finding reasons not to be at Suncorn next weekend. Um, Kings, we've, got spe- we've got to fix your speaking up because you, you don't, you're not from England anymore. It's, <laughs> it's not Guinea, it's Genia. <laughs> yeah. It's not Suncor, it's Suncorp. Uh, it's, it's, it's Kenya. <laughs> <laughs> Kenya and Suncorp. It's Genia, mate. <laughs> it's a silent P on Suncor. Um, nice. Right, Kings versus Force. Um, can even the Force win this one? Uh, yes. I don't. I don't know anything about. I think we're we're in the situation as who the fuck knows, right? I mean, yeah. no, no one's no, seen the know. Kings. No, we know the yeah. Kings. The Kings lost to the Lions, who yeah. have lost eighty percent of their Super Rugby players. So, yeah. you know. The force will beat the Kings. Didn't they okay. lose them to the Kings? Well, they may <laughs> have, but... <Yeah. laughs> 
No, they, they they didn't actually. There wasn't as much of a transfer to the king that you would have expected. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, so uh, there you go. That's Definitive Force are going to win that. So there's there's the three games uh, that we are worried about coming up this weekend. Um, fantasy and tipping that all started last weekend. How, how did we do? Uh, I know I got uh, the, I got the two results right um, for the tipping. Timsy, you and I usually. Uh, I went one. I I, I tipped the Reds. Ah, there you go. Yeah, I, I honestly thought yeah, there's a whole whole host of reasons, but. Uh, yeah. And Scott, I understand you've taken up fantasy for the first time this year. <laughs> How are you finding that? Because I'm sure you just shoot from the hip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's bloody hard. <laughs> I um I, I did register last year. And then I went to put my first team in, and I looked at all these points and went, oh, this is too hard. I can't do this. Yeah. Um, so this year I put a bit of effort into it, and I went back through some stats, and I recalculated stats from last year based on this year's points. Um, and I thought I had it down pat. Can I tell you? It's a lot harder than just picking a normal team. I ended up with uh, – my selections weren't too bad, except that I picked Scott Higginbotham as my number eight. Yeah. And he was negative, so that wasn't good. And I picked Kurtley Beale as my number 10, and he was negative. So basically, <laughs> you know, I went from having what would have been a reasonable score to I'm, you know, way up down the list and looking at it going, can I really do this? <laughs> and I, I, I did post on our forum today on that topic, and someone said, mate, just take the year to get used to it. And they may be right. It may take me a year to understand what the hell's going on here. Yeah, <laughs> man, it's, 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 it's a long season and, and there's plenty of time, mate, because, you know, as someone, like, I, I think I won the, the tipping contest out of everyone, at least on this phone call, so uh, last year, you know, I, d- I do remember a certain person who may be on this phone call saying that he's never lost to someone who's involved with the site, but uh, <laughs> that, that ended last year. But, uh, there, wasn't, mate, there hasn't been much talk about it. I, I don't yeah, know. yeah, hang on, that's tipping. I, yeah, I but got no, two, no, that's I all right, mate. You'll, you'll get there. You'll I be right. Two, I've got faith in you. Tipping. I've got, you've got to have faith in your systems. You, you've worked <laughs> out your systems. Yeah. So have, uh, I, got, I got two from two in tipping, but mm. when you've actually got a – because part of the problem is obviously you've got to think about next week. So I've got a bench that's ready to go for next week, for this week coming up. <laughs> or I thought I did. And after my performance in round one, I'm now looking at it thinking, maybe I don't know what I'm doing here. Faith in the system, Scott. Faith in the system. So, so mate, which tipping competition do you use where you can put your three caveat tipping uh, score? <laughs> Where you can say, um, I tip the Reds as long as, if, and, as well, and uh, it lists those out. Okay, so you're forcing me to make a decision. I will, <laughs> I will you tip will the tip Waratahs. The... So, oh, he's tipping the Tars, yes. All right, I, I, might don't know, to... I don't know that all three of those things are going to come through. <laughs> okay, well, I might have to go and buy a jersey just on the strength of that that I can wear up, I can wear up there. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, the fantasy thing is, it's so much work. It is hard work. And actually, did you read it? I mean, the guys who win this thing, and we've had three out of the four years the Fox Sports thing's been going, we've had four of the, well, three of the winners, sorry. Um, and when you read, and I think that we had the latest winner, um, uh, Baba helped him put together a post uh, about a week ago, just talking through how the way he thinks about it. These guys think in a completely different way. It's, Mate, you it's, know me. 
Do you think I would enter something without having read every fucking thing I could find? <laughs> and it still didn't help me. But I, He's got a point. But I still wonder if, you know, you were thinking about it like kind of team on the park that you could have some integrity or were you, had you completely just gone for the stats? You'd just no, gone no. for the numbers? No, I, I had I, – I tried to think about the stats and mm. I love stats, but stats aren't everything. So I went with – you know, for example, Big Higginbotham, mistake. I thought, I thought Higginbotham, stats. you know, mm. first game, he's going to fire up here. Force won't be that good. I must admit, Kurtley Beale, you know, you know my view on him as a 10 normally. Um, I didn't think he had a, a bad game as a 10, but I was expecting him to come out and do some things to the Force, you know, where they couldn't keep up with him. And he was so quiet. And those two guys... Turns out he what? couldn't keep up with himself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those two guys cost me. If it wasn't for those two, I would have been all right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, mate, we'll, 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 we'll follow with interest how you do this year. Oh, um, God. <laughs> <laughs> now that we all know about that. Uh, anyway, look, I think that's all we've got to talk about this week. Um, that's been a good one. Good, uh, Great to talk to Laurie Fisher. Um, and... Uh, and uh, hopefully everybody who's listening, um, thanks for joining. Uh, hopefully you've noticed we're trying a few different things on the site um, with the super coverage. And uh, any suggestions, always welcome. Just let us know if you've got any ideas. Um, but uh, we're basically trying not to just repeat what you can get either in a newspaper or on some other sites, but do something a little bit unique to green and gold. So, um, you know, trying a few new things and always open to suggestions. Um, but um, otherwise... Guys, thanks for joining this week. It's a pleasure. Thank you. It's been and great. I look, and I look forward to being in sunny Queensland this, this weekend. It's not very sunny at the moment, but uh, sure thing. Um, you're, you're obviously near the sea there, I hear, Timsey. Yes, yes. No, that's the, the rain on the roof outside. Is that the rain? Yeah. It, it's going to rain all week, Matt. Oh, it's it's going to be a wet aim on We're Saturday. Expecting a wet track. Ah, uh, that's going to be tiles. Lovely. Um, anyway, boys, I'll see you this weekend. Might even have to do some live recording straight yeah, after yeah. the game. How's that? It's um, always worked in the past. Always works well in the pub when you're drunk recording a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, guys. Good to see you. And um, thanks, everybody, for letting us come in your ears. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks, everyone. Cheerio. Seven left. No hands.